Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Everyone, welcome to Hugh at Home. I'm Tracy Koga. Well, we do have a new government and hopefully a new premier for Manitoba coming up shortly. But in this busy month of September, we have had so much brand new music, and it is so good to see live music again. So we're going to start with Manitoba's own Brandy Vesna. It is always great to meet another incredible singer-songwriter here in our own backyard. So welcome, Brandy, to Hugh at Home. And I have to say, we've been really lucky uh, since, you know, maybe halfway towards summer and into fall now. We are getting a little bit more out there and being able to connect and listen to great live music again. So what has it been like for you in this whole journey of being isolated and then now slowly coming out? It's been, it's been interesting. Um, I have elderly grandparents and an uncle who is, uh, he has cancer right now. So I've been really precautious uh, with what I've been doing. And I sometimes can find myself slipping into a little bit of fear um, about where I go, but it's been really nice to be able to play. I've been able to play a few times live, which is incredible. The energy of the crowd, you just can't you can't buy and sell that. You can't bottle it. It's something different, you know? So, yeah, it's been nice to be able to play a couple live shows, but I've also been really um, precautious of what I've been doing so far. Oh, well, yes, no doubt. It's totally different times now that we're living in. Um, but uh, you do have a special event coming up, I believe, a little, uh, I guess, debut for you, so to speak. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that because that's super exciting. Yeah, thanks. So my first album, Hashtag Don't Settle, is releasing this Friday. Um, it's been incredible. Like, I think about where I was at the start of the album as a person, um, you know, emotionally coming out of a really unhealthy relationship and where I am now. And it's like I am in two, well, almost three years time, I'm like a completely different person. So it's really, it's it's humbling to see the changes that we can go through. And also to say like, when I really started taking music serious, I had just come out of a relationship that was like all consuming at that time. And I've taken that energy and I've put it into myself and something I'm passionate about. And it's so incredible to see how things can change. Oh, that's amazing. And it does take courage and a little bit of, I guess, fortitude right to put your life out there so to speak in your music what was the journey like for you brandy like and was there a turning point where you knew okay this is going to be good this is what i need to do yeah it was like you know when i would go to sleep at night and i had this 
innermost feeling that I wasn't satisfied. I mean, I, I was grateful that I had worked hard to become an educator and I had two university degrees. But when I laid my head at night, I knew that I wasn't completely happy with what I had created and I knew there was more I wanted for myself. So it took a lot of, you know, strength and courage and support and having a really great team. And I mean, I have grandparents who I love so much who have been my greatest support system that in those times when you think like, you know, sometimes you think like, maybe I should just go back to being a full-time teacher and close all my social media accounts and go to the bush and that's enough, you know? <laughs> that's not that those are just fleeting moments of like everybody has fear and questioning what they're doing but to be able to just continue on no matter what you know <laughs> what was it like it, the whole creating uh an album you know hashtag don't settle uh the name says it all i think in your journey to get to this point but uh songs that kind of resonate for you what are they and why well, it's been incredible. Sorry, here's my cat, Harvest Moon. She was found under the Harvest Moon two years ago. Um, it's been incredible to be able to like, okay, when you first write a song, now I think of songwriting as same as like, I'm an author and I've written and I blog, but it's like this beautiful thing that you can't force. And you essentially channel, a, like a, a song channels through me, you know? So to be able to be gifted songs that first of all the first song that I ever wrote um my brother is a singer songwriter as well and I played it for him and he was like this is where I would put the pre-chorus and I was like kind of humbled like what this is actually kind of good <laughs> so then bring it to a producer like that is the most raw part of yourself like to bring a song that you've just essentially bare bones started an idea and to bring it to a producer and to bring a song to life with your band, like it's like it's bringing something to life. It's incredible and it's humbling from the start to the finished product. Like I knew when I wrote um, Walk Away, I started to cry right after it came through and cause I knew it was good and I knew it would help people. And it's really humbling to be able to do that and, and, and definitely a gift. Wow. And after this um, album release, you're going on tour. Yes, my first tour with my band. We are going to 10 Indigenous communities and it's going to be an amazing experience because the, you know, just being able to travel on the road to tighten up our harmonies and to be able to bring music to, you know, a lot of my own communities, a lot of different Métis communities especially. It's mm -hmm. going to be incredible. And really right now to uh, Indigenous communities really do need support. They do need the healing process. I know that music is a big part of it. This probably will have a, a profound effect on you too, right, Brandy? Well, yeah, because I mean, like I said, it's beautiful to do things online and I'm grateful and I'm appreciative, but to experience a crowd, and you know what? When I get a message from somebody, like it, it chokes me up when, when a, especially a woman sends a message and says, you know, I was really struggling and your song actually helps me and it helped me get out of this situation. Like there's, that's, I mean, that's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is because first of all, I love it, but because I love it, I'm able to help other people on their journey as well. Right. So yeah, it's incredible. And also, you know, my song Danger, um, 
it came through in a dream actually the start of it and it's for our own missing and murdered indigenous women and to have women learn a word like discernment and to think about their you know the decision making they're making or to trust their intuition like I wish I heard that message when I was a young girl you know it probably would have saved me a lot of a lot of dating issues but yeah so it is a blessing to be able to share that and do you think now is a, a good time to to make a change and like you said to address all of these issues that for so long have not been people have turned a blind eye or they don't want to speak about it like we said the murdered and missing indigenous women and children uh, residential schools uh, there's so much the list goes on and on and it it's not just for indigenous peoples but for all for everyone and I think you've got a great platform I think the universe well, definitely, and I think we, I'm thankful as an artist, you know, like Louis Riel said, my people will sleep for a hundred years and it'll be the artists who return their spirit. So, you know, to be able to, I've been a classroom teacher for over a decade and it is an honor to be able to share those messages, but it's also like the universe and great spirit. It's, the universe is open to it now and more young people you know they're able to express who they are they're able to choose their gender people are you know more open to things that nobody talked about trauma or intergenerational trauma or the effects of like worldwide you know people not just in turtle island like as a society we are a traumatized society and to be able to speak about that now it's incredible because five years ago 10 years ago 15 years ago there was there was no option to do that but now we're so gifted to be able to share our own healing journey and especially if you've lived it people are more likely to relate to you because I could sing songs that mean nothing to me and I don't relate to but you wouldn't feel it right like you mm -hmm. you could within the artist I would say yes well you definitely have uh, hit up I guess hit it right on the stone as they so say with with music and do you really want to try then in the future, Brandy, to do more songs that have that send, you know, messages to everyone? Definitely. Um, I've been co-writing with some of my favorite co-writers and we're working on a fun one that I said, <laughs> girls, I want to write about something that has nothing to do with relationships. I just want to sing about enjoying our lives and having a good time. But the follow-up single I have to my album is a really, really, really good one about on again, off again relationships that I think a lot of people can will be able to. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Well, congratulations, Brandy, on you know achieving all that you have in this trying time. And I know that there there is a light at the end of the tunnel that we will be able to see you perform and and on a big stage, and it'll be I know pretty wonderful. For now, you are going to play us though a song. So I'll, I'll let you introduce it. And thank you so much, Brandy. Thank you so much for having me, Marcy. Tracy, I appreciate it. Okay, so this is one of my brand new singles that nobody's really heard. Um, it's called Almost. And I, I wrote this song. I was frustrated in the relationship I was in, mm -hmm. camping in Nudimic, <laughs> and it wrote itself. <laughs> Okay. Hey 
Have you ever lied to yourself thinking he's someone else? You're trying to make it work, but you're dealing with a jerk. You're trying to make things fun. He's looking at the number one. Lying there thinking to yourself, there's gotta be someone else. Almost the right kiss, almost the right touch, almost real love. Almost the right kiss, almost the right touch, almost real love. Real love's coming for me. Real love's gonna taste so sweet. Silent treatments and ignore. Bad attitudes in store. You're going nowhere fast. Take your foot off the gas. Ever thought I can fix that? <laughs> you can't. What you see is what you get. Is that what you accept? Almost the right kiss, almost the right touch, almost real love. Almost the right kiss, almost the right touch, almost real love. Real love's coming for me. Real love's gonna taste so sweet. Almost the right kiss, the right touch, almost Welcome back to Hugh at Home. Our Hugh crew has been very busy putting together a brand new series. It is a historical retrospective of the Japanese Canadians, especially here in Manitoba. So we start with Elsie Minamide.
you so much, Elsie, for coming here. And it's all about getting your story out, sharing some of those memories, sharing your thoughts and feelings throughout all of these years here. When you started uh, growing up in Haney, B.C., what was that like? Oh, it was, uh, of course, I was very young at that. Can I start from the beginning from yeah. my dad's uh, side, like where they came mm -hmm. from? <laughs> um, actually, my dad, my mother, father from Japan. My dad came first. He wanted to come to Canada to live after they got married. <clears throat> when they came to Canada, he came alone first, of course, and he worked at a sawmill in British Columbia. And after about a year, he called my mother over to join him. And after they have, mom arrived here in, in Canada, he decided he wanted to uh, farm. So he bought a land in Haney, B.C. There he had uh, only maybe 20 acres of it land, and uh, <clears throat> he um, grew like various vegetables and all kinds of berries. I think he probably was there for uh, 10 years. And then when I was, I'm the youngest of the family of five, when I was six months old, he decided he wanted to move west, closer towards along the Coquitlam Way, and he bought, again, he bought uh, 20 acres of land, and he also there um, grew vegetables and all kinds of berries, and uh, he did very well there, you know. And after about four years there, four or five years uh, there, he built a house, because they were just uh, was when bought the land, it was just a uh, big, big, big one-room house and with shed or whatever. But he uh, wanted to build a house, so he uh, built a house um, with the help of, of course, of the my brothers who were in their twenty, no, well, eighteen, nineteen, going around there. So they were able to help too, and also he had friends from around the area there helping him out. So he made himself, uh, built himself a really lovely house, a two-story. He even had like French doors, like dividing the dining room and the living room, he would have French doors. And it was a beautiful house. Anyways, um, he'll go into immigration, which would be two years afterwards. Then came the notice from the government for them to move all of there. Take as little possible their, their, their whatever they needed clothes-wise and dishes and pans, whatever they they thought they need for everyday thing, and leave everything behind. What they they were told that they will be returning back to their property. And so, of course, my dad just, as I said, is take your essentials. So we did just whatever they had need daily, and left all the good things behind. It was time for them to move. It was within a week's notice. My mom and dad, I, I was only 11 years old at that time, but it was such a terrible thing to see them leave the property behind all that work that they put, 
good. And now they have to leave that. Being told that they'll be coming back, but who knows? It's hard to know what's going to happen. So they, we have to all wait in a curbsiding um, train before they pick up us up. And I could see my mom, especially, tears in her eyes, looking back at looking back at the site where they have to leave. It, it was really sad. It was really sad. At my age, even I thought it was very sad. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we were on a train to come to Winnipeg. We came to Winnipeg. We were put into a big hall, what they call the immigration hall, I guess it was called. Many, many families there, all put together. We were fortunate enough, we only had to wait for maybe two days. And uh, we were selected by a farmer who wanted us to come and work on their farm, which happened to be Mr. Lee Tully. And from there, of course, he took us to his farm and worked on the sugar beets and whatever things that he needs us to work on. My brother went and we were all like more in a, I was the youngest at 11, so everybody was able to work on a farm very well. So I guess he was pleased that he wanted somebody, adult, more adult people to, to help around the farm, which was of course sugar beets. And a sugar beets farm, we had to thin top and everything, but the, but the row is like a mile long, you know. Um, it, was, it was a big, long, long row at that time for me. I thought, oh my goodness, you know, there's an end to this. But anyway, so I was, of course, I was the youngest, so I fed, I bought the waters or whatever they needed and left it on one end. And then they'll come over there and have the drink or whatever, and then continue on, go back again, and so forth. So that's the way it was there. But Pelly's farm, the, the family were very nice. They were very nice people. We were very fortunate that we were able to be placed in a place where it seemed to be a caring people, uh, which we were very grateful, I think compared to some other people's stories I hear. That must have been a bit of a culture shock for you to leave where you were in that beautiful home and then come to this farm, a foreign land. Or going back before evacuation, yes, I was there. As I said, I moved, we, Dad moved back into Pet Meadows when I was six months old. so. I went to school there, and I, I even went to Japan with my mom. I was mm-hmm. nine years old at that time. Wow. I went to Japan, and I stayed there for, I think, two and a half months or something like that during the spring season where the, where the farm wasn't able to work at yet mm-hmm. at that time. So mom and I went to Japan visited her, especially she wanted, of course, wanted to go to, to her parents' graveside and all that. So we visited all the temples that we could. 
Mm -hmm. they are. Yeah. Did you ever want to just stay in Japan? No, because half of my fam, like my father and my sisters and brothers, were here were here in Canada. No, I didn't really. I was I was there because of because mom. mom wanted to go, and I was I wanted to go with her and be with her when she More was in so. Japan. But I want to come back yeah. with her too. So yeah. Canada is your home. Of course, yeah. yeah. And then after the internment, um, what was life like then? When did you move to Winnipeg and, you know, you married and, re and had a family of your own? Well, when <coughs> at Teddy's farm, my dad and uh, bought a, a, a land also, leaving Teddy's farm for, he was, he was the whole family of working a sugar beet farm for four years, and then he figured he would like to buy a farm of, make, again, have vegetables and have a farm of his own. So. Mr. Telly had helped him get this acres of land that that he knew that was on sale. So he again purchased that land and made whatever he wanted to grow. And and that way, my oldest brother was uh, able to help in, in transferring things to Winnipeg and back and forth. So it was okay for him to farm there for a couple of years. And then they have to give it up because um, my my, uh, my uh, bro uh, brother, my oldest son, who was looking after all, all those things, well, had a little back problem, and, and so they sold the farm mm. and they came into Winnipeg. And then, how did you begin your family life and raising your family? I uh, um, I go back a little bit and say that I was. was at Telly's, when I was at Telly's farm, I went to, of course, I was only 11 years old, so I was in a one-room school room from grade, grade 6 to 8, and then I went to Portia Ferry and went to high school there, and, and the Telly's are always so nice, and we used to get a ride to, from the home, Telly's, to Portia Ferry a daily for school. He used to drop us off in the grocery store. We wait there for him, or he leaves us mm -hmm. there, and, and that would be our place to wait. You know, mm -hmm. and we dropped off. And then I had um, wanted to work in a more like an office, so I I was able to um, go into a, a private home where she taught shorthand typing and bookkeeping, and that's what I took. And then, so I, of course, I told my mom that I was that I was wanted to do that. And eventually, I would leave the city, I would leave the farm, mm -hmm. and go to the city in Winnipeg and and tr and try to work, find work in the office. Of course, when I came here, it was very hard finding a job right away. So whatever I needed could work uh, to make some money for myself. I worked uh, as a I made housework for a well-known person, and then after I, I thought, well, no, this is not for me. I went to um, my brother's place where he, my other brother, was living in Winnipeg at that time, and uh, from there I had commuted back and forth to to find a place for I could find a work, which I did. Uh, several places I worked in the office, and um, and that's the way I was well, after the after I left the farm, anyways.
<laughs> so in 19, about two years after I was coming to Winnipeg, I met my husband, Ty, Ty, uh, through the church, Vancouver's church business, and we got to, got to know each other that way. What was it like, Elsie, uh, for the Japanese community, especially for young women like yourselves leaving the farm and coming to the city? How did you create friends and how, what was the social circle like? I've been telling my children too that, you know, I have had no, nobody coming, like no racial discrimination of any kind at all. I was like, I go into an office, work for this office, they would accept me as I am. I go to another, I went to three different offices before I worked for the city of Winnipeg. When the city of Winnipeg and people are so nice, they treat me just, as there's coffee time, we just bingo together and talk of any, you know, talk mm -hmm. whatever we wanted to talk about. And there was nothing in any way that I felt that I was different, in other mm -hmm. words. I was, I was really, really, I was really, really amazed that I was able to socialize with people without being hurt in that way. And then the redress comes, uh, you know, and more of these stories being told. And, and how did that, that change you at all, or did it? With regards to the redress, which is something that was wonderful to happen, thanks to um, uh, Art Mickey and the NAJC uh, and associates who had persevered and there's so much, you know, to get this redress. redress. And that's, it was something that was really amazing to have happened. But again, I thought about my mom and dad. I thought mm -hmm. about them that I wish that they were here to accept or to hear rather um, with their own ears uh, what was happening, the apology of the Prime Minister Mahoney at that time, you know, what mm -hmm. he has said, and I wish that he, they were here to hear that, but of course, they were both gone by then, 1988, it happens, uh, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was just going to ask you that about the apology. How do you feel now when you hear about today with our Indigenous community and the stories coming out too about residential schools? Does that kind of re resonate looking back too? Yeah, it's very unfortunate that things like that are happening, which, as I said, I never came across anything like that, and I'm glad that I didn't. And as far as my children are concerned, I was worried for them too when they went back to school, went to school or uh, grown up. But they have had no problem either, so I am very lucky for and very fortunate that they didn't have to go through anything like that. I feel sorry for what's happening right now, you know. It's, it seems to me it's not necessary to be so racially discriminating from one nationality to another, you know. It shouldn't happen. Those things shouldn't happen. Everybody is a human being. They should be treated equally. What they do with their business, and don't poke around all of, you know, trying to get out dirty stuff from them or whatever they, they may you know, mm -hmm. when they go from making problems worse. And for yourself now, I mean, a beautiful family and, and, you know, some definitely good memories. What have you learned through all of this, Elsie? How has that 
me do the LC today, looking back at, and talking about your past? I, of course, I lost my husband 13 years ago. Uh, we were together for 59 years, and um, I have three daughters, and um, my grandkids are fine. My extended family are ni all nice. So I myself feel very lucky to have um, children who seems to, at this age, want to make me comfortable. And that I appreciate. Yeah, and all of the grandkids and, you know, it's just amazing what, I think that's what keeps me going. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. And I'm sure your grandchildren would love to hear this story, your story. Will you they, share that I with have, them? Um, I have told my grandsons, I have two grandsons uh, from la my, one of my daughters, and I have, of course, extended mm -hmm. grandsons and grand great-grandchildren, too. Uh, and I, <clears throat> I, I have already, I, I, I have even written it in my computer, all what's <laughs> happened like, okay. through my life and everything. <laughs> and I, I, so I gave them copies. Well, thank you so much, Elsie, for sharing your story. Oh, no, I, I don't know if I put it properly in that clearly that you can understand as I go along, but it's... Um, it's a long story. <laughs> Nothing simple. <laughs> Nothing you. simple. No. Uh, I hope I made enough sense. <laughs> you did. We want to give a big thank you to all of our guests on today's show and leave you with this question. Do you know your own family's history? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or you can message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehew. But for now, stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you next time on Hugh at Home. for listening. This has been a production of iLikeHugh.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports 
Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.